and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is on Where the Crawdads Sing. I'm joined by North Carolina native Kayla Lichtenstein. Kayla, what's going on? Oh, you know, not ready for school to start next week. Well, teachers go back next week, but yeah, not ready. <laughs> well, at least, you, you know, kids go to school in your orbit. Can't say the same for the people in this movie. Uh, Logan Abbott is also joining us for the first time in a while. Logan, thanks for coming back. Absolutely happy to be here. Where the Crawdads Thing is the newest movie from Reese Witherspoon's production company, Hello Sunshine. It is adapted from the book by Delia Owens, and it was also kind of like a, a pick for Reese Witherspoon's book club. So I think that's kind of where that connection came into play. Directed by Olivia Newman, starring Daisy Edgar Jones and a bunch of uh, interchangeable uh, white dudes and David Strathairian. Uh, so it, it it tells the story of Catherine Kaya Clark, who is a girl that... Uh, grew up in the marshes of North Carolina in the 1950s, but, you know, in the 1960s, where a guy that everyone in the town knows she has some kind of connection to turns up dead, they uh, they all of a sudden point their finger to the marsh girl, and they think she must be the killer. So we uh, have a framing device of her murder trial, but we also kind of flash back and go through her life and also see her, you know, uh, end up, you know, having different relationships with a couple of different guys in this town, including uh, the one who turned up dead, whose uh, name is Chase Andrews. But also, you know, we meet a guy named Tate Walker, played by Taylor John Smith, uh, who is her, kind of her first love. But Chase Andrews is played by a guy named Harris Dickinson, who uh, I, I would have bet my whole life the guy was British. And it turns out, yes, he was. I was actually wrong about that Taylor John Smith guy. He's actually American, but they just looked like two British blonde dudes. Both Kayla and Logan were readers of the book that the this movie is based on. So I was very excited to invite them to join me to talk about it because I did not have that same kind of background of the source material. It was a very popular book and uh, which, you know, also kind of took on a life of its own, given some of the author's background itself. But I guess before we even get to talk about all that other stuff, I, I guess I'll I guess I'll start with you, Logan. I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure you've I'm sure you've seen movies before that are based on books, and I think this is an interesting one as far as the relationship that the book readers seem to probably have with the movie. But I'm curious when you like roll up to a movie like this where you are pretty familiar with the story it's based on in the book. I guess what are your expectations for it, and what are you hoping to get out of it beyond just like a straight retelling of what you saw in the book, and how did the movie end up meeting your expectations in that way? So I am, I like it when the movie adaptation is very faithful to the book. Mm -hmm. I love books for the books for a very specific reason. And I love generally the way that I, if I love a book and it's being adapted, I essentially want to see exactly what the book was on mm -hmm. screen playing out in front of me. And I actually do think that they did a very good job of doing a faithful book adaptation when it came to the plot. But unfortunately, not all books make good movies. So while it was, in my opinion, it was a very good book adaptation, it didn't make for a very enjoyable movie for me. Interesting. Um, I appreciated when I was rolling up, I was curious what they were going to do with the whole Chase Andrews dying thing. The book starts out with a prologue that tells you at the very beginning that Chase Andrews is dead. And that the Marsh Girl is more than likely the person who did it, who everyone thinks did it. So that's the prologue. So you already know going into the book that you're leading up to that. And I like that as a plot device in a book and in a movie because it gives you a sense of direction with the plot where 
otherwise, especially a book like this, where it's kind of like a slice of life, it's just kind of telling her life story from beginning to end. It can seem kind of aimless and rambling. So I liked that we had the case interspersed throughout the movie, whereas in the book, it's all just leading up to that actually happening towards the end. But yeah, like you said, it, or it was a little different, I guess, in the movie in that in so much as like, they just kind of like, here's a dead body. We'll get to telling you who it is at some point. And we do kind of eventually yeah. you know, figure it out. Kayla, as I noted at the beginning, you are a North Carolina native. And I know that the book kind of meant something to you, as you told me, based on just the way that this, it kind of conveyed what this, uh, what this March setting felt like. So I know that was something you were kind of looking forward to in this, if nothing else. Uh, and like Logan said, Logan likes it if, they, if something is very faithful to the book. But I think when you have firsthand knowledge of the setting of a book, as you kind of do, not that you grew up like in the marsh, but I'm sure you kind of uh, are a little more familiar with these kind of uh, this kind of climate than Logan and I am. So I'm curious, if nothing else, did the movie kind of at least kind of capture what you were hoping it would look like based on how Delia Owens described this? Because I know you felt like her language very much captured what it felt like to be in that part of North Carolina. Did it at least somewhat meet your expectations in that regard from a setting standpoint? Yeah, so so definitely the setting was everything I could have wanted. I mean, if you ever do get a chance to read the book, Logan can definitely speak to this. She is very, very descriptive of what the marsh is like. And, you know, I really need to look more into how much research and inspiration Delia Owens did get from the North Carolina marsh. But it was it was like I was driving to the beach. You know, it was like I was driving through the marshland to get to the beach. Um, and it was, it was, it was everything I could have wanted in terms of like how the fishing shack looked. I mean, I've like, you know, hmm. kind of driven past places like that. And, you know, it made me think of some of the little, um, I can't think of what it's called, where the boats come in, marinas, like the like small little marinas. Sure. Coming in, it made me really think of um, Surf City, North Carolina, um, which is out past Camp Lejeune, um, you know, and I had spent a lot of time out there one summer. My brother actually did an internship in the marshland um, of North Carolina one summer and the pictures he would send us. It's the way they depicted it in the movie was perfect. Um, so I'm honestly curious where they actually filmed it. I think they filmed in like New Orleans and Humo, Louisiana, at least according to Wikipedia, which, as you know, is always right. Uh, but like a lot, a, a lot of stuff, like just a lot of movies from Louisiana. I think they give those kind of tax credits. Um, but it's also it's also interesting though. Uh, Delia Owens, I, I was just curious. I, I should have looked it up beforehand, but I just did from Thomasville, Georgia, which is like. I mean, I've made the drive from, as you guys know, I spent seven years in school in Gainesville. I've made the drive from Gainesville to Pensacola, Florida, more times than I can count. It's like right in Southern Georgia. So not exactly like, you know, on the coast or anything like that, or on rivers or anything that connect to the coast. So um, mm -hmm. it's, I guess it's impressive enough that she captures that part of North Carolina as well as uh, you say she does. And, uh, but like, yeah, I mean, it, it they did, a if, if you're going to film somewhere, film them try and pass um, any kind of marsh off as, you know, the North Carolina marshes, Louisiana, probably the next place, best place to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, off of the Atlantic, a lot of the marshes are very similar because obviously, you know, the same current runs all past there, brings the same water, you know, same salinity, things like that. So most of those East Coast marshes are quite similar. 
Mm, Not that Louisiana is the same, but I'm saying as in Georgia, like thinking of the marshes in North Carolina and the marshes like outside of Jacksonville, you know, they're incredibly similar. Well, so uh, it's good to know that like at least the movie got that right from a technical perspective. I'm curious, though, uh, did you ultimately leave this? I I mean, I saw it with you, but I I, I, whenever I see movies with friends who are going to do the podcast, I try not to ask them too much about it. And I know you had some like nitpicks throughout the movie that we'll get to. But like overall, were you satisfied with your viewing experience? Because I didn't really try and get too into it after you left the theater, because I like saving that for the pod when I'm seeing it with a friend that's going to be on the podcast. Yeah, so like kind of similar to how Logan was saying, overall, I was pleased with the plot adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the details that, you know, I understand they have to condense some things. Um, I understand, especially from an actor's perspective, you kind of have to adapt. But overall, the plot was there. Um, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it, it was there. Yes, <laughs> it was. It was there, and it was along. It was along the book, and they actually incorporated some of the things that they did in part two of the book, where they were shifting between um, the investigation in the courtroom and shifting between more background, like leading up to it. So essentially, the first part of the book is all about Kaya's experience growing up, and the second part of the book is teetering between the investigation and the um, the trial and her relationship with Chase Andrews. So they yeah. stuck to that pretty well. So one thing I'll say, guys, is that like I – I, I think I, I think I mentioned it before we started recording. The thing is, like, thirty four percent in Rotten Tomatoes, but like ninety eight percent with the audience. So I think I think that probably tells me that like you know people are enjoying the movie, and the book readers probably are too. And I thought it was better than a thirty four percent movie, if nothing else. Like I guess I came in with low expectations because I I had seen those reviews before I saw it, but like I was I was very entertained and. I think I think part of it we've already mentioned the courtroom aspect of it as as an attorney like I I have a low I have like a low standard for like what I expect from movies when they spend that much time in the courtroom like I'm usually expecting like stuff to like really bother me and like a movie like this that might be you know a a a little more uh a a little more pulpy and frothy and uh, campy or whatever like I'm very low expectations and like I did not ever find myself like minding anything from a legal perspective here uh David Shatharian plays her uh Kaya's public defender I really enjoyed his performance I felt like those were about as grounded as those scenes were about as grounded as, as you could be expected given like how crazy like they portray the town folk who like and put her in that courtroom in the first place uh and so I I guess I enjoyed it from that perspective and yeah and maybe some other parts of this movie might seem a little goofy or corny or anything like that but I I very much enjoyed Daisy Edgar Jones. Like, feel like she like you know uh, grounds it. And I, I, one of my big takeaways is that it's kind of funny that like someone as uh, someone as beautiful as her is like now and like the second thing I've seen her in, they're both like things where it's like, oh, h- h- how disgusting is that girl? Basically, for a lot of it. Like, yeah. I don't know if either of you guys. Watch, <laughs> did, did you watch Normal People, Logan? You're laughing. I didn't watch Normal People, oh, okay. but I, Brett and I watched Under the Banner of Heaven pretty recently, oh, okay. and she actually that. plays a main character in that and she's really good in it again British actress playing an American character a similar type of oh that woman's a troublemaker oh (laughs) she's up to no good character so that's why I was laughing but I think to your point about why critics basically hated it but audiences love it it kind of goes back to the point that Kayla mentioned earlier what's so amazing about the book is Mm -hmm. Delia Owen's prose it's how she's describing the setting it's all of that language surrounding this place that Kaya really reveres and you lose that in a movie setting because you're just shown it 
you don't get the descriptors, you don't get that really flowery, beautiful language. It has to be translated into a visual medium. And she has pages and pages of just describing the marsh. You get a lot of it in the narration, but it almost loses its effect when you aren't the one visualizing it, you're just seeing it on the screen. And so I think that might be part of the reason why audiences love it because you're seeing what you've already read so much about. Whereas if you're just a critic who's never read the book, who didn't, and perhaps you did read the book and you didn't like the book from that perspective, but if you're just a critic who's never read the book, who's just doing it from a movie perspective, you're losing out on a really big thing that audiences love. So would you guys say that the book, uh, gives you better perspective on why she stays because it's, it's, it's kind of a, yes. it's almost, it's, yeah. it's almost a silly, uh, the montage where it's like kids like age 14, just walk off and make it, make it out on their own. Cause the dad is so abusive and every single kid in the family does it at a different time in this same montage, the mom followed by like four different kids. And she's just like, yep, I'm sticking it out. And it's like, yeah, I, some of the well, scenery in the movie in is pretty the- nice, but she's, she's like, I'm staying, I'm staying. And I'm like, well, okay. so related to that, that was one of my nitpicks because you remember I was upset throughout the movie. I'm like, these ages aren't right. These ages mm-hmm. are not right because mm-hmm. in the book, because you're like, you're seeing an actress who's like eight or nine years old, right? In the book, she's five. She's really mm-hmm. young. So she stays because she's five. She literally mm-hmm. doesn't know anything or anyone outside of the marsh. Um, the jump in Jones, he doesn't show up until she's eight or nine. Like it's quite some time in the book. And so that's one reason that was one of my huge nitpicks because I feel like a lot of the story was lost because they kind of muddied those ages. So mm-hmm. it makes then- sense that a five-year-old would stay. The five-year-old doesn't know any better. In the mm-hmm. book, she's talking about Oh, I'm just going to hide. Oh, I know he's upset. So I'm just going to, you know, go into the marsh and not bother him. He'll give me my $2 a week to go grocery shopping and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you miss out on so much of the description that you get really is from that first half of the book where you're laying the setting where she's so young and you really get this feeling that the marsh is what raised her because everybody else left. The marsh is like, you know, in the, in the, the prose, I think of the word, the metaphor is the marsh is her mom now. Mm-hmm. So she can't leave the marsh because that's all she's ever known because her father, who's incredibly abusive, became abusive towards her. And she just learned, like she says in the movie, to avoid him. And everybody in town, that was actually pretty faithful how they treated her. Mm-hmm. Everybody in town hated her for no reason other than that she was poor. She lived in the marsh and she wasn't like them and she never interacted with them and so that just reinforced her love of the marsh because it was the only place that she could be herself yeah so related to her being an outsider I mean one thing that is lost in the movie that was expressed in the book was like why is this five-year-old like coming into town and she doesn't know how to um she doesn't know how to count the change to get the grits and you know, all of these things about her being different are constantly reinforced with every interaction she has going into town. And on top of this, you know, this five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, as she gets older through the book, is constantly having to lie. So it's understandable that later the townspeople don't trust her because she is having to lie to survive. And she doesn't have to be that way in the marsh. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, one, she doesn't have the human interaction, but two, you know, she's not trying to fly under the radar. She's being authentic there. Yeah. And something that the movie also doesn't show is she has a lot more interactions with the townspeople in the book than they showed in the movie. They showed basically her going to school one time. They showed her at Jumpin's. And that's basically it. But she was going to like the town grocery store a couple mm-hmm. of times and interacting with people. They condensed that to just be at Jumpin's for thematic sake to make it simpler. But then you lose out on all of those interactions like Kayla was saying, where she had to lie, where she had to hide, where she was showing. And this is one of my nitpicks. We got a really great feeling of how dirty and gross her life was when she was a child. And then suddenly it's Daisy Edgar Jones playing her and it's a pretty attractive actress. And oh my gosh, we can't have her be anything other than beautiful and basically straight out of an anthropology ad, both in what she's wearing and in her entire house. And yeah, so like the like, dress, the dress yeah. where she's waiting. Like I understand it was to bring in the connection of um, Jumpin's wife, bringing her clothes from the church. Like I understand that, but I don't know that she would actually even know or care to dress up in this prom dress. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, that, that, the well, only dresses they really, really talked about in the book were her mother's dresses. She had like one dress that, you know, didn't get burned by the father. That's kind of what I was getting, kind of what I was getting at before when I was just referencing normal people. Cause I think the book normal people was written to be like the, the lead, the female lead in it that she plays in the show is like, is written as not being attractive and so it's like the guy that she is like uh that's kind of like the romantic partner for her for a large part of that story is like ashamed and won't tell anyone that they're kind of together and it's like but she looks like daisy edgar jones so it's like (laughs) i saw i saw saw fresh uh which was the other thing that came out earlier this year with her and uh sebastian stan and i really liked her in that but so i've seen three it's seen her in three things and like two of them she's like supposed to be playing someone that's just like uh, you know, nasty, dirty, or unattractive or whatever. And it's like, but she looks like Daisy Edgar Jones. So I was, I was kind of laughing to myself a little bit as I watched uh, where the crawdads sing, because I was like, all right, like you got, stop trying to tell me this woman isn't like really beautiful. And, uh, and I get it. Like she's supposed to be like dirty and of the marsh and like all the townspeople are acting like that, but there's just like a little bit of a disconnect. And I, I maybe there's only so much you can do to like dirty her up. But, you know, that, 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 that's something that they didn't really seem to put a ton of effort in once you got to the point where she was played by Daisy Edgar Jones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do mention in the book that she's gorgeous. She is. But oh, she's okay. also dirty. Like, oh, okay. the whole point is that she's one of my, it's just problematic in general. It's not a problem with the book. But was that, you know, in the book, and they kind of touch on it in the movie, that it's like, oh, she's this gorgeous wild thing. She's this mm-hmm. wild animal that needs to be tamed. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean, like they do talk about her being gorgeous. However, they also talk about her looking wild and looking yeah. feral. And it's like right. in the book, they kind of make it clear that if she had grown up in any other circumstance, if she had grown up as part of this community, it probably would have made sense to see Chase Andrews and Kaya together. Because they're that same level. But like like Kayla was saying, they they give her this quality of otherness to justify, or in the book, she has this quality of otherness to justify her being estranged from everybody. But we can't ha- not have an attractive main character. 
And so the problem with the way they presented Daisy Edgar Jones is now suddenly there is literally no reason for anybody to be like, why is this Marsh girl here? Because she doesn't look like she doesn't belong. All of the clothes that she's wearing really does fit in with what everybody else is wearing for the most part. She doesn't look dirty and she doesn't act like like she's living in the marsh. She doesn't act like a feral child necessarily. No, she's just quiet and respectful every time she goes anywhere. So it takes away that impact where it's like, of her being separate from these people. And it really does just make, I mean, townspeople are cruel regardless, but it takes it to another level that the audience doesn't buy. So basically what you're saying- so basically like, what you're saying though is like the book spends more time with like the young version of her in town that doesn't necessarily like blend in as well as this version in the movie. So yeah, what you're and saying. they also yeah. they also mention in the book that she doesn't even have running water. Like, why is her hair always perfect? Why is her skin <laughs> always clean? Like, why does she never have dirt caked under her fingernails? Like, she literally doesn't have like running water <laughs> or electricity. Yeah, I or guess electricity. It's, 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 like, it's implied that one. Able- it, yeah. It's implied that once she becomes a successful author, though, that I think she like updates that house. She does update something. the house in the yes. book, but like oh, anything okay. before then is just it's an anthropology ad basically from the <laughs> very beginning. And it drove me nuts. OK, so, well, to the extent that like she ends up, you know, like, uh, I guess at, at some point before she's successful, you know, she uh, she does attract the attention of at least uh, one male suitor initially in Tate. I'm curious. uh I guess I'll start with you, Kayla. What did you think of the way at least Tate was depicted in this uh, as and how their relationship initially kind of formed? Um, so, you know, one of my running nitpicks is the ages because. Oh, right. I forgot. The- I, I totally forgot. You were telling me as we were watching the movie, like how like kind of iffy it is with respect to that. Yeah. In the so book. Yeah. I felt like they were just. Oh, haha! here's this little boy fishing. And then it's like. Oh, haha! Now here's this like, ooh, eighteen-year-old boy who finds this girl who looks to be a similar age, and it's like, no, it's, you know, oh, you know, well, I'm you, Kate. Can, well, I was Jody's friend, and I'm teaching you to read while you're twelve, but I'm actually like sixteen well, here. Well, and then well, how about, well, how about the fact? Let me let me ask you then. Like, I, I get it. Like, that's kind of weird in the book, but could you just accept for the sake of the movie that they're just not going to mention the ages, and maybe you can just like. This under like this because they don't say the ages. Maybe just like that's if you them saw telling Daisy you Edgar that- Jones in the street, would you think that's a fourteen-year-old? No, that's why I'm saying like, could that be something they changed from the book? Where here it's like because they're not saying like she's fourteen, he's eighteen. Maybe we just maybe we just accept that they're the same age because they don't tell you what their ages are. Like, it, it, or is that something that you just fe- had a little trouble separating? For me, that was something I ser- I had a huge issue with separating because of just. You know, I I was comparing it to the book. I was comparing it to they start talking about, well, Tate is the one who really started her love for science. And, you know, he taught her to read and she's like, wow, I can read all these things. He's the one who taught her about what her period is, like all of these Mm -hmm. things that. Yeah, I love that's that face. Kind of, you're that's making. Kind of, Josh that's is making kind of, a face, a really grossed out face. Yeah, well, that, that's face, kind but. of well, that's kind of weird knowing what you told me about their ages in the book and then hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, you get that you get that slow burn of them growing up, him helping her grow up, him helping her learn these things that are going to, you know, be important later in life. And then we get to the scene where he's like, 
oh, you know, I can't have sex with you. It's like, well, yeah, because in the book, you're 15 and he's like <laughs> yeah. 19. And so for me, that's something I just can't separate because it took away so much for me from that story oh, and it, from it, how their relationship builds. In, in the real world, uh, groomer has become a politically loaded term. And unfortunately, it seems actually more apt in the context of this book. Uh, well, what, he what, wasn't grooming her to like fall in love with her. He was teaching how to be accepting, a the world. He was accepting her. He was accepting her where she was. He was teaching her to be a person. And at the end of the day, he's like, you are my friend's little sister. I know you're alone. And mm-hmm. I think it started. Oh, with so he's Katie. friends with her brother. He's friends with her brother in the book. Yes. And you get that in the Jody movie leaves. too. Yeah. So he's bit, yeah. the little boy that like throws shit at, sorry, throws stuff at her dad when he goes to Logan, her. we have the explicit tag on iTunes. You okay. Can he's, pro- <laughs> he's the one that like throws shit and attacks her dad when he tries to spank her. And he's yeah. like, don't gotcha. ever okay. come back to this land right. again. I will kill you. And so she doesn't see him for a while, except for on that boat that we see mm-hmm. in, in the book or in the movie. And to Kayla's point, it isn't set up as grooming in the book. And they, unfortunately, in the movie, because it's Daisy Edgar-Jones, and I forgot who plays Tate, um, the name of the, of the actor. Taylor and John look, Smith. Taylor, wow, such a... blonde white British or Amer- <laughs> Yes, exactly. Such an angle, uh, a wasp name. Um, <laughs> but because they look like they're such similar ages, and to Kayla's point, they don't look like they're 12 and 16 at all, you lose the idea that he's helping her out of the goodness of his heart, which really is how it starts out. And it just becomes he's helping her because he has a crush on her. Right. Because it if- seems like he has a crush on her and he's leaving things for her. And then he's teaching her to read and then they kiss and then it's all this stuff. And yeah. it becomes in the book, in the movie, they give the excuse of, this will be worse for you than it is for me if people find out that we did this, which is true, but you lose the context of how young she really is at that moment. Right. And then it also, you know, going off of that with the leaving stuff, it's like, why would you leave a feather for a 16 year old girl? It makes sense to leave a feather for a 12 year old girl, you Mm -hmm. know, like little shells and feathers and things like that that's cute. It's like, okay, a 12 year old girl might like these things. Cause I'm 12 or she's 12 and I'm 16. It would be weird any other way, you know? And now you just get, Oh, haha, leaving little, little gifts for my little crush. It's like, no, it's, it just takes so much away by taking away that conversation about their ages. Mm-hmm. And then you, you miss out on the really, really big impact of Tate not coming back for 4th of July. Cause it's not just this man that she fell in love with. It's this friend that she's had for six mm-hmm. or seven years. The only friend, the only, the person who somewhat raised her, who helped teach her how to do all these really necessary things, fully abandoning her mm-hmm. when she has, he has no way to contact her. She has no way to contact him. She is hopeful and trusting the entire time that he's going to show up again because he promised her he would. And he held his, he kept his promises up until then. And then, so you miss that big heart wrenching impact of this is her only support system that she's had for seven years and he's gone. I guess to, to me, someone that hadn't really read the book, it still felt, it felt pretty messed up, at least just kind of watching the movie. Like, cause I, I knew it how did. little, te- I knew how little technology she had. So I was but like, like in the, in the movie, it came off more as a heartbreak, like a romantic heartbreak mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. in the book. It was just like, 
oh, another part of my family left me. Gotcha. Not my crush mm-hmm. and my boyfriend left me, but here's this person who is my family has now left because everyone in my family leaves. So does her state when he leaves in the book versus the movie, does one versus the other feel like leaving? Does one versus the other feel like she's more being left open to like being taken by someone like Chase Andrews? Yeah, the book open or the movie makes it come off more like that. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. The book, however, is more like Chase Andrews. He becomes curious about her and makes a connection that he's not trying to be her family or he's not like trying to in the book just more straightforward romantic interest yeah yeah well in the movie he's disgusting but in the book chase andrews (laughs) is just it's just (laughs) so nasty because he's like oh i want to claim the marsh girl and you know it's it's, really over (laughs) it's yeah wait in 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 the in the book it is you're saying in the book, it's all oh, like wow. I so want to claim he's the even, Marsh he's even, girl. He's even worse in the book, is what you're saying. Yes. Wow. Yeah, okay. the movie did a pretty good job of just portraying it kind of from her perspective of her like falling blindly in love with this person who is interested in her in her again after every her last person abandoned her and everybody else is ignoring her and he's not awful directly to her because to Kayla's point she's set up as this wild beautiful thing that needs to be tamed and suddenly Chase Andrews is like well I'll tame it I'm the most famous like the the best person in this town everybody loves me I'm gonna go out and do this too and so in the movie you're getting everything from her perspective so you're not seeing it as much as you really get in the book of how two-faced he's really being with her until you see, like in the movie, it kind of waits until Tate comes back and sees Chase talking to his friend about the Marsh girl and about how he's basically claiming her and joking around about that. It takes until that point to realize up until that point, you're like, could he be serious about this? Could he not be? And it's just socially no... Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so like, oh no, it's just, it's not expected of him. And he's going up against, you know, everything that he's been raised to be, to be with her. Is this going to actually really work out in the book? It's really, you know, she's being taken advantage of basically from the very beginning. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I guess as I was watching it, I was like, I, I wasn't sure what to make of this guy. Like, I mean, in the, in, in the, in the movie, like, I guess they, they hide his intentions a little more, which I suppose might be a, a little more compelling. I mean, I, I kind of get what uh, Logan was saying at the beginning about it, maybe being a, uh, in some ways, a more effective framing device in the book to like, kind of, kn- to like, kind of know what comes of him. But I was just kind of like, I was kind of just intrigued by him. Like I, I didn't totally trust him to begin with, but I could kind of see his charm a little bit. And I was like, huh, like, I, mean, I guess I, I think, I think at some point it kind of became apparent to me like, oh, that's, that's the one that's probably going to end up dead. But like for a while, <laughs> I was like, for, 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 for at least a stretch of the movie, I was like, oh man, like, this is interesting how this guy like kind of came across as a little bit of a fuck boy to start, but like, maybe there's actually like kind of a heart of gold there. It's like, no, he's the worst. So I mean, I mean was, you grew up, thing. you grew up in a small town. How was your high school quarterback? Actually, my high school quarterback, great guy. I uh, can't, can't say that about everyone on the football team. Super nice guy, but actually like a, a little buck the stereotype a little bit. He's a really nice guy and like actually like very smart and uh, really nice to the nerds like me. Um, but like, I mean, the actually- stereotype is very strong in a lot of a lot of small towns. So throwing that out there. <laughs> gotcha. No, I, 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 I got you. Got you. Yeah. But like, um, but yeah, it, 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 it did throw me off guard a little bit where I was just like, 
I mean, I get it. Like, you know, again, for whatever we're supposed to take the Marsh girl to be, I get that. Like, it wouldn't be like maybe socially acceptable for him to be like that public with her. And I guess we're supposed to believe in the movie that like he truly does have actual feelings for her. Cause why else spend that much time with it when it turns out he has a goddamn fiance. But I was just like, man, like that's a lot of effort on your part, dude. Um, How did you feel about that? I mean, I I was, I was just like, uh, I, I guess it threw me off. I was like, man, it's like, for like a, I guess, I guess we're supposed to think he's like in his early twenties or something like that's a, it's a lot of effort for someone to like lead a double life at that point. Like I, I, I get it. Like I mean, I think Daisy Edgar Jones is beautiful, but I'm like that. That just seems like a whole lot of like. It just seems like more effort than it's worth at some point, you know. I mean, like I'm sitting, I'm sitting here perpetually single. I'd like, I, I, I feel like I'd be happy with just like, uh, with, with just one love interest myself. And he's like putting all the effort in for two. So I'm like, all right, man, like you do you, I guess. But like you're also a terrible person. <laughs> I think Kayla, correct me if I'm wrong, because I ha- it's been a while. I listened to the audiobook. I never actually read it, um, like I've physically. And I, I know you, you listened to it recently, but in the book, I remember it came off more as like a bet or a running joke with Chase's oh. friends that he was doing this. Here it's like, he's keeping it a secret almost from them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was more of just like, nobody can get the Marsh girl. I bet I can get the Marsh girl. And then he does. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was more of a, like, I get like, I'm the boss in this town. I get what I want. I get who I want. I get what I want. And so he does and <laughs> um, it bit him in the ass or, you know, pushed him on his face technically. Well, yeah. So I guess that leads me to where I want to ask you guys about next. Like I'm, and I don't want to keep making it like, tell me what the book is, tell me what this is. But I, uh, I guess I am kind of curious, like the, we haven't even really necessarily talked that much about the mystery component of the story and the movie itself. And, how that reveals itself beyond the fact that they kind of like, you know, hid the identity of the dead body uh, to start. Uh, How did, I guess, Logan, what did you think of how this movie decided to ultimately kind of like reveal itself? And then, I mean, I guess let's just say we're in spoiler territory now. I mean, we've, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler necessarily to say who dies by the time we put this out because of our scheduling difficulties. Like most people have seen (laughs) it that most people have seen it that want to see it, but like to the extent that like we can say like who the perpetrator was of the murder, jump off now if you want, don't want to know what that is. Um, But like, I guess I would just say like, uh, I'm curious how you kind of think what what you thought of how the movie revealed itself in that way, as far as like kind of setting it up, setting you up, or at least setting those who aren't book readers up to kind of like really like uh, put us in one frame of mind as to like how this could have gone necessarily. And then like, you know, pulling the rug out from under you at the end. What did you think about how the movie did that, Logan? So I know you said you don't want more book comparisons, but that's actually really faithful to how how it rolls out in the book. You don't find out until basically the prologue until after she dies that, and here's the spoiler, that she is in fact the one that killed Chase Andrews, mm-hmm. that all of the things that the police laid out of how it could have happened is in fact exactly how it happened for her mm-hmm. to have killed him. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in does, that- does, 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 does the book do the same nods to like making you uh, like possibly think that like Tate was involved? Cause like the movie tries to like oh, get you to- yeah, think absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it is, it's, and, and when I read the book, I left- thinking that she was purposefully bring, she kind of purposefully brought the hat with her to cast suspicion away from herself because it was Tate's, but then she never actually 
tells anybody that it belongs to Tate. I can't remember if somebody actually brought that up to the police, but they didn't really look at him at all because everybody was focused on the Marsh girl. Mm -hmm. But all of the evidence that they laid out for Chase Andrew being murdered, the fact that there were no fingerprints, the fact that there were no footprints, the fact that the grate was left open, that the fibers of the hat were on him and a hat was found in her place the fact that the necklace was missing and then you then find it in her items years later the fact that she went she scheduled the trip to Greenville and was able to get back and just had an hour to do it all of that is actually very very faithful to exactly the way that the book was laid out Hmm. yeah I I was really pleased with it um but you also had some timeline issues with that part of it though no, not with that. It was the ages, the timeline ages. So but you, you were talking came, about something in relation to the cap, though, that bothered you with the ages, though, right? No, it was it was just it wasn't with. Oh, the, OK. Um, we were yeah, talking after the movie. I thought you like had some issue like where you thought the, the age stuff like tied into like the cap. And oh, I, oh, the timeline. Yeah. Where because it was like, oh, this is supposed to happen in like 1968 and this is supposed to happen in 1969. And now this is happening in 1970. So yeah, Mm. some of that was a little off. You know, it was Chase Andrews and Kaya's relationship timeline that, you know, was upsetting to me because that was actually some information that was brought forth in the trial in the book that Chase Andrew related to the hat. So in the book, Um, Chase and Kaya were in a relationship for like four years. And so they had the red fibers from the hat and the medical examiner, they were asking, they're like, okay, but so they were together starting four years ago. Could this red fiber have been on his jacket two years ago? And they're like, well, technically, yeah. Could it have been on his jacket four years ago? Well, yeah, technically, like we can't identify when a fiber was released onto another item of clothing. And so that was a huge, you know, point of the trial within the book. And so they kind of, they didn't address that timeline. Um, So that was kind of annoying to me. They didn't address the timeline of how long Chase Andrews and Kaya were actually together. They didn't address, you know, and I know when you have to condense you, have to condense. Uh, yeah, it's, ar- it's already a two-hour. Be... It's it's more than a two-hour movie already. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So for me, that was the timeline issue I had with the trial gotcha. and the red hat. Okay. Was because it was well, we should just throw this evidence out because we can't say if this was dropped four years ago or dropped the night of the murder. And I guess it's kind of asking you to like criticize a book that was like very successful to begin with, but like, I guess one thing I struggled with a little bit was like, well, first of all. Uh, Logan, I, I straight up laughed at the end when like uh, when it's the when the husband is like when when Tate finds out that she, it was her because like I had just been thinking up until then, like I, I didn't think that like they were innocent, but I I kind of like up to that point just assumed they were in on it together. So I just mm-hmm. kinda, I, I just kind of like laughed aloud when he like just found out his wife was like a murderer at the end. And I, I, I just personally like I thought it was darkly funny. And uh, and, and but after that, I was like, well, they've spent this whole entire lawsuit, like talking about how impossible it would have been to pull off this murder. And so that's why I'm thinking, oh, she had to have had help. And it's like, I guess, are we left to believe she did it in exactly the very, very, very hard, uh, impossible timeline way that they describe in the trial? We're led to believe she did that and she somehow 
comes in on that very tight timeline on this other train and then getting back on the last train and somehow getting him, getting Chase up to the very top of this tower to push him off. And it's like, I guess we just accept that. I'm like, did, did, did you, as someone that read the book, I guess you weren't expecting to see it. But at the same time, I found myself being like, all right, I kind of want to see how she actually did this. But I guess also I can just accept that like they told us and I just got to, you know, picture it for myself. Yeah, and there was a lot more detail in the court case about like they in the book because they brought in like the bus driver for instance and they're like could this have been her because they, they they go into a lot of detail about somebody who took the Greenville bus back to the marsh who was in like a hoodie and like a hat and it was and you he couldn't really see her face but he was like no it could, it wasn't her they thought it was like a boy or something um, and so you go through a lot of detail of was it were they on this bus? Was she on that bus? Or <laughs> was it possible for her to get for her to get here? And then at the end, that reveal happens in an epilogue from Tate's perspective after she's already passed away. She's going, he's going through her things. He doesn't find it in a book about predators no. of the marsh. That was absolutely <laughs> too absurd on the to nose. me. Way too <laughs> on the nose. And Fred's actually the one that reminded me of this. Um, they took out a plot point, which is that there was this poet that she was constantly, constantly quoting in the books. Mm-hmm. And you find out in that epilogue that she is, in fact, the, the, the poet. She's quoting herself. <laughs> and you, yeah. And so you find those poems in a journal. I think it's actually in a box. With, I thought it was wasn't or, it under the cast iron stove. Yeah, it was like under the floorboard or something like that. It was under something. He didn't just randomly open a journal and find it mm. because also where has she been hiding it if they ransacked her? Like you had to hide it somewhere that they weren't going to find. You can't tell me that the police didn't go through and open up every single one of the, her books and shake them Especially out. Especially the book that them. says predators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe she wrote it later, but it was just a little bit absurd that also if she was writing that book that Tate wouldn't have ever looked at it earlier because he would clearly read all of her books. So it was a little crazy. I was very curious how they were going to do that epilogue because I remembered I was like, okay, the book kind of ends at the end of the trial and them being together. And then you find out how their life unfolds throughout this entire epilogue. And so I was like, are we going to watch literally like 10, like a five, 10 minute scene of just them growing old together in the swamp. But that's exactly what they did. And I think that goes back to how, what makes a really good book doesn't necessarily make a really good movie. Cause in my opinion, what makes a good movie is when you have a really central plot point all of the loose ends get tied up. There's a very clear beginning, middle, and end. Everything is working towards the same goal. And when you have a book that's so focused on being like a slice of life, it's this person's life, basically from the very beginning, exactly to the very end, because she literally dies of old age at the end, it makes it difficult to translate that into a medium where people want that clean, like, beginning, middle, end, all loose ends tied up structure. So it sounds like you don't even necessarily blame the filmmakers too much. They were just kind of dealt a hand and it might've just been kind of unavoidable with like what this story was. Like you can only do so much with it. You're not, you're not even necessarily saying y'all did a bad job. It's just y'all worked with what you had. And maybe there's not really a way I feel fully satisfied with this, this particular story in in feature film format. Yeah, exactly. They're really what they, I think they did the best they could. They condensed it as much as they were, they had to, since it was such a long story. I think that the liberties that they took, like what Kayla was saying with their ages and with the timeline 
to put it into a movie format were somewhat necessary because it's easy when you're reading a book for them to be like, I was 12 or he was 15. It's very difficult to translate that into some sort of dialogue that would make sense when you're watching it because it's all narration. And so I think that they did the best that they could, but unfortunately from like a critic standpoint, it's just not very compelling material for a movie. Mm. Gotcha. Trying to think, Kayla, is there anything else you haven't touched on that you want to talk about with the movie? Oh, let me ask you. Um, so, Golgan, you might think this is kind of uh, funny, but also stupid on my part. I kept asking Kayla, like, every time we saw a bird, if those were the crawdads. I didn't realize the crawdads were like... <laughs> I, I thought I didn't, the I, same I, thing. He thought uh, it was a bird. He had no idea. It was a little crustacean thing. No, I'm like, I, yeah, I, it's a crawfish. Like, I, I a crawdad I, is I, a crawfish. I didn't know fish could make sounds. No, okay, so that's that's part of it, though. Go out way out yonder where the crawdads sing. Crawdads don't sing. Go as far as you can. Oh, okay. That's, actually, that's part of it. I kept no, hearing it's... noises and he's seeing birds. I'm like, where, when am I, where am I going to hear this singing? I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> no, so, no guess, the I... whole point is like you go out further than anybody can go. Uh, go to where the crawdads uh, okay. sing. It's a place that doesn't exist. Okay, I thought I was supposed to hear some actual animal singing at some point. This so, is not the Little Mermaid. No. Okay, I got you. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so, so I guess I guess my other question was like to the to the extent we could have expected anything more. Like I don't know if you were expecting any more like from depictions of nature, Kayla. And I, but like I, up until ten seconds ago, I didn't realize uh, crawdads didn't actually sing. Uh, so I I'm uh, I mean like. I don't know. It, it kind of leans into it with her, like being an author of all this stuff. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, some, some of the movie does really, really look incredible, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like wondering Kayla, like you, you already said at the beginning, like you thought they did kind of at least capture it aesthetically pretty well. Um, it, I, I guess, I guess I kind of already answered my question, but like in a movie this long, I don't, I don't necessarily need a lot of lingering shots on animals or stuff like that. But I mean, was there anything else you, any other thoughts you had from a visual standpoint? Cause I think that is a big part of this movie. Um, this probably sounds really ridiculous, but Logan yeah. might Logan might be along with it. I wish they did more with fireflies. Um, mm. One of the really big, one of the really big things in the book was the firefly, and it is a that's huge... a thing in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So last year, oh I my god, family, I love the fireflies. I, I had a family reunion in Asheville, North Carolina last year. Like we bought the little kids that were there at the family reunion, like firefly catching kids. Like that's a thing in North mm -hmm. Carolina, and that's oh, yeah. probably something you actually could make really interesting from a um, just from a visual standpoint. You're right. Yeah. Well, but within the book, fireflies were mentioned a lot, but they were mentioned a lot because they were a foreshadowing device. Like you could have figured out before the whole trial even. Started starts that Kaya did it because there are multiple instances where she talks about like the false signals that firefly send she's like oh well you know if a female firefly has been done wrong by a male firefly she'll send out false signals and then she'll attack them and it's a recurring thing within the book and so you know she did it because yeah, and she they... keeps talking about these fireflies and she talks about praying nanus and she talks about all of these animals, these bugs that all lure in the male counterpart to kill them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wish I... they would have done more on that. Smart, which I yeah. know not a lot of people are into bugs, but like yeah. fireflies, visually fantastic, but incredible incredible foreshadowing throughout the whole book yeah especially because and i i don't know if i am 
thinking I remember this or I truly remember this, but you do see a lot more of like the kids when, when she's a kid, like there mm-hmm. are more interactions with the other kids and more interactions of Chase Andrews being a bully when she's a child. And so it foreshadows that. And the only, the only thing that we get to Kayla's point of that type of foreshadowing is a one-off line with her editors when she's in Greenville having dinner with them where she's mm-hmm. talking about how she wants to do something on bugs or fireflies. And did you know that fireflies will exactly that thing, that signal and then kill them. Um, and we only get that in the middle of her the editor trial. literally giving testimony about how she wasn't acting strange or she mm-hmm. wasn't, she was acting totally normal during the trial. And then it cuts to that scene where she says that thing. And that's like the only thing that we get that really kind of foreshadows it besides and coupled with Chase Andrews' terrible treatment of her, which I can't remember if it comes before or after where he assaults her. Um, so I think it was after she broke up with him. It was or, after no. she broke up with him, but I couldn't remember if it was before or after that scene that we right. see it. Yeah. yeah, but oh God, he's the worst. He really yeah. is, but I felt like really missed that. Um, and me having a North Carolina moment in the movie um, as compared to the book, I was really upset they didn't talk about the Piggly Wiggly more. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, because my grandfather lives in Kinston, which is, you know, farmland, like, you know, towards coastal side. It's actually really not far from Greenville. And we would go to his house and we passed the Piggly Wiggly on the way to his house. And I just felt like for true North Carolina moment, there needed more Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> mm. Interesting. I so it, 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 technically, I get it, it is. I can't. Do they show it as the Piggly Wiggly, where like she runs into him with his fiance? I can't remember. No, they only uh, really show the Piggly Wiggly. Um, this is one of those instances where they combine the characters. Uh, so in the, they only really show the Piggly Wiggly when it's the one lady testifying, saying, "Oh yeah, she was all dolled up getting on the bus," and that was surprising. Okay. We all noticed it, but mm. within the book, she goes to the Piggly Wiggly to get her grits. Um, the shopkeeper at the Piggly Wiggly or the cashier was the one who taught her to count change. Mm-hmm. And that was um, condensed into Jumpin's wife's character. And, you know, you have those moment of clarity from the, from the townspeople where she's like, you know, I know I, I would always, you know, give her a little bit extra change because I know she didn't have a lot and I know she couldn't count. And you have like these little moments of redemption from the townspeople. They're like, I don't know how to accept different. Here's how I tried. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Piggly Wiggly was a much bigger part of the book. And I wish it would have been a bigger part of the movie. It could have easily, some of those town scenes could have happened in the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Just like they, it seemed like there was a lot more potential there just as far as like different interactions in the town aside from her just like you know having a spending five minutes at school and having i don't really and then having that one interaction outside the grocery store where she finds out about chase's fiance there's not a lot else there and i think that could have given like you know again it's it's, we already discussed it it's uh, they don't really make her seem as weird as they probably should given how they have everyone point the finger at her for murder and there could have been a way to like you know give a little more context the way everyone thought about her with more scenes in the town for sure well remind me um i know what happened in the book i can't remember if that happened in the movie did they start the courtroom scene asking for a different location i don't think they talk they about like asking ask for a change it. of venue 
Okay, because in the in the book, it was like the opening statement of the lawyer was, I request that we have this trial in a different courtroom outside of this county because of prejudices against my defendant. Um, that's like how the courtroom stuff starts. So I couldn't remember if that happened in the movie or not. It There's like a one-off prejudice. Line. There's like a one-off line after the opening scene in the courtroom where he, or even before they go in, where he is talking, her lawyer is talking to her and saying, you need to be prepared because they won't let us change it. And there's a lot of prejudice and this is what you're going to experience. And so they did kind of address it, but they didn't do it in the actual courtroom. They just made it clear that unfortunately, for whatever reason, they weren't going to move it. And I also think that that is... And all of everything that Caleb was just saying is, again, just an unfortunate reality of them adapting this book down is that we didn't get those scenes that would redeem any of the town's characters that would make them anything more than just really hateful caricatures. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Logan, anything else about the movie we have not touched on yet that you wanted to talk about before we wrapped up? No, I think we hit. All of my major points. I will say that if you are on TikTok, you will probably see some really funny memes of people being like getting ready to go out in the marsh and they're doing like a full makeup look and like decorating their house with like the really expensive Uh. makeup and the anthropology stuff. (laughs) I find it very entertaining. So that's part of the reason why I brought it up earlier because I was like, it's it's enough of a a pop culture thing that people are talking about it on social media. Um, so those are fun to check them out. Gotcha. I've, I've not found my way to that part of TikTok. Uh, Kayla, anything else you want to say before we left? Um, if you like the movie and you haven't read the book, I'd read the book. And if you've read the book and you've watched the movie, sometimes <laughs> it's worth it to read it again. Because I read, I read the book probably about a year and a half, two years ago, something like that. Like read a physical copy of the book and then I just re-listened to the audiobook. It's worth revisiting. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the movie coming out on some type of a streaming service because I feel like I do need to revisit it and I need to revisit this world. So I think it is a rewatchable. Gotcha. All right, cool. Logan, anything we any, anything else you've been watching recently you want to direct listeners to? We, you know, this is the part where you normally tell people to plug stuff. I'm not gonna have anything, so no pressure if there's nothing else you've been consuming, but just any any other kind of pop culture media uh, books anything out there that you've been into lately you want to shout out um yeah so i uh, a couple of things nothing recent i we we just finished catching up on stranger things we're really behind on staff but um you have not watched the wheel of time series on amazon i think it's pretty good and it's based on a pretty good series of books i just started the first book uh this week it's called the eye of the world it was a free audiobook at my library it was available so i picked that up um, but if you do like Daisy Edgar Jones, if you want to see her and more stuff, highly recommend taking a look at Under, excuse me, Under the Banner of Heaven. Um, it is a true crime adaptation. So it's based on a book by John Krakauer uh, about a series of murders that occurred in, I believe, Utah, based on Church of Latter-day Saints ideology. So it is dark. It does get a little gruesome. If you don't like that, I wouldn't recommend it. But Daisy Edgar Jones is pretty great in it. And it also has Andrew Garfield, who's really good. So those are my recommendations. Yeah. All right. That's 87% around tomatoes. So the, the show is uh, pretty well received. I didn't realize it was created by Dustin Lance Black. He's, you know, fairly acclaimed in his own right. I think he, he might have won the Oscar for writing Milk. Kayla, anything else you want to shout out? 
Um, if you want something on the lighter side, I've recently binged all of the Emily Henry books. So like book lovers, beach read, um, people we meet on vacation, all very enjoyable. If you want something lighter, still romantic, you know, along the same idea, I started watching The Summer I Turned Pretty on Amazon Prime, which is also based on a book. Um, so far, the show adaptation is pretty close to the book, um, even the though I haven't read that one since high school. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you yeah, favorite so, of this podcast, uh, I've done three different episodes on all the two, all the boys I've loved before uh, movies. So I, I'm, 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 if I'm, I'm in a mood for something lighter, I might have to do that one myself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's cute. Um, so if you are looking more for those book adaptations, The Summer I Turned Pretty is a fun little watch that I've been going through. And if you want a quick and easy romantic read, I recommend the Emily Henry books. Book Lovers just came out and that was really cute. That one was cool. really good. I read that recently too. I read it in like a day. I sat in the pool and I just knocked it out. It was, it was a fun, fun one. Gotcha. Uh, Logan, anything you want to plug personally, social media wise, anything like that? Um, I'm at signed Logan on most social media. I used to have a blog and I do not use it anymore. <laughs> uh, but if you would like, and I rarely post anything, but if you would like to follow me, you're welcome to. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Kayla's pretty uh, mum on the social media as well. Usually uh, I'm Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd podcast. Uh, Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is TheRoundMoviePod at gmail.com. Coming up next on the podcast, we might have something on Bullet Train, might have something on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. There's a few other, there's a lot of stuff coming out in August. I'm not sure what order it's all in, but we will have plenty coming up. I want to thank uh, Logan and Kayla for joining, and I want to thank everyone for listening. We'll see you next time.